Welcome to the Getting Real with Hillary Show. Inspiring stories that change lives. Where ordinary heroes tell their extraordinary stories of how they have triumphed over unexpected challenges. This is where we say what can't be said and use the AAA formula for freedom. Awareness, acceptance, and action. Now, here's your host, Hillary Burns. Well, hello, and welcome back to the Getting Real with Hillary show. Today, I am really excited to have Bill Cohen on the show. Bill is an author, insurance agent, let's see, husband, father, and grandfather. And he, what he wants to do today is get out his message. And it's going to be very interesting. He wrote a book called God's Only Law. And uh, I can't wait to hear Bill's story and, and what he's about. So welcome, Bill, to the show. Well, thank you, Hillary. I know I read your preface and uh, learned a little bit about your growing up life, but why don't you begin at the beginning and what do you want people to know about your upbringing? My mother was from a Catholic family and my father was from a Jewish family. And so both both families uh, went to church and synagogue. And um, But when my parents married, it wasn't... Uh, um, something either one of the two families wanted. So my the result of that is my parents were almost not quite anti-religion, but they ignored it. They ignored what, it. What, when you say each of the two families didn't want it, you mean their parents didn't want them coming parents. in? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Uh, you know, Catholic family, they want they didn't want her marrying a Jewish boy and the Jewish family didn't want him marrying a Catholic her, him marrying a Catholic girl. So uh, because they knew that the fam- the children would not be raised under their religion. And so that's mm. that's what the problem was. Okay. But it didn't bother your parents, right? Didn't bother them, no. <laughs> they, they had other things on their minds. Okay, that. good. All right. So, <laughs> um, go ahead. But my uh, mother's mother, my grandmother on my mother's side, um, she was uh, the kindest most wonderful person you'd ever meet in your life. So um, she went to church every week and she would take me when we were in town, when we lived there. And then when we moved away, when I would come for the summers, I would go to church with her every Sunday. And uh, I didn't really understand what was going on. The service was in the part of it was in Latin. The rest of it was in Croatian. So I didn't understand what's being said. People were getting up kneeling, standing, sitting. It was very confusing. And, um, and I didn't really speak the language at the time. So I didn't, uh, I didn't really understand what was going on, but, but did something, were, but you, did you want to go with her? You look forward to it or did she make you go? I, I wanted to be with her wherever she was. Okay. She was just okay. that kind of person that she wanted to spend time with. I mean, when she was cooking, we would I would be in there with her and we would cooking. She would talk to me about life and what's going on, but she never really talked about religion or Jewish. I mean, religion or Jesus. Because um, I think in her mind, she just believed everybody should know about it. And it wasn't a big deal. And she was just going to live, you know, the way Jesus asked us to live. 
So that's the way she lived. And so it, it was uh, appealing to me. You know, there was no uh, um, judgment or criticism or any of those things. She just showed me unconditional love all the time. Wow. So that's what drew me. And, uh, and you weren't finding that in other places? I don't think you find unconditional love almost any place else other than a person that's trying to emulate Jesus. You just don't. People are very judgmental, and uh, and my parents were both judgmental. And mm. my father was a, a very um, strong person who believed you had to fight for everything you got in your life. And uh, for a while, he was a professional boxer, and before that, he had a sketchy child growing up childhood <laughs> where he didn't he didn't believe laws were that important, you know. Oh. So. He just did wow. <laughs> so all right. So you so in with your grandmother, you found this unconditional love that you didn't necessarily find. Yeah, and I didn't tie it to the religion. I just I just right. tied it to her as an individual. Mm-hmm. I didn't work much later that that I started getting the the idea that was a connection between the way she loved unconditionally and her belief in Jesus. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't understand that at the time. Okay. So I went with her to church because that's where she was going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how long did that last? Like until she long? until she died. <laughs> so until I was I was I was probably out of college by then. Wow. Okay. So you kept going. Yeah. I mean, I was only there in the summers after 4th grade, so for mm-hmm. most of the time I was not going to church at home. It was only when I was with her. Wow. Cool. Okay. So you went to college. What did you study in college? Uh, math, computer sciences. Okay. And that wasn't uh, very popular at the time. Uh, I graduated from UCLA in 1970. And that was that was the first year they offered the, the, the degree in computer science. So I'd already had qualified for all the requirements for a math degree and decided that I liked once they announced it, uh, I had one year to complete all of the computer science classes. So that's what I did in my senior year last year. Okay. Because I love computers. And so yeah. that's it. And did you go right into insurance or did you do something else before that? I was a broker, uh, investment banker broker with Kidder Peabody for three and a half years um, on the financial side, obviously, trying to bring in new clients and invest, help them invest their money. and. The problem was that the last 18 months I was there, the market went, it fell in half, 50% loss in the market value. So I was putting everybody in treasuries at the time uh, because I didn't know where to put them that was safe. Uh What year? What year was that? Seven. Well, I left in 75. So 73 to 75. And uh, the problem with that, the, I had was I wasn't getting paid to sell treasuries. So I got no money when I put them in treasuries, but I survived because I had a lot of uh, retirement plans I had placed with uh, financial uh, managers, money managers, and they, whenever they did a transaction, it would come through me and I would earn a commission. So, but I, what I didn't like is that I watched people who had been in the business 20 and 30 years, one, one man in particular, and he would come in drunk every day because his income had just dropped to like 30% of what it was before. And he, he just couldn't take it. It was 
And I, I didn't like the fact that your income is controlled uh, by, at least back then when it was all commissions, your income was controlled by how much you sold and what the market was doing. So you had a, you, you had no control over what the market's going to do when it's going down for 18 months in a row, you have to head to shelter and preserve people's capital so that when the market starts to turn, you can get their money back in the market. So, mm. so I decided it was time to leave. And I, I looked for something that provided a better um, uh, alignment between my effort and the uh, income that I would earn. And insurance did that with residual income. So, Wow. So that, is that when you went to all state farms? State Farm. Is that when you went there? I'm actually with with Aflac. So you guys are all the same to me. You're not us. You're the same. So you never had State Farm. (laughs) No, I never did. (laughs) So you went right to them? I did. Or do you didn't go back to school or anything? No. No, I had I had more, okay. you know the double degree. Actually, right out of right out of college, I worked one year as a systems analyst, applying my degree, and I hated the fact that I loved the work, but I hated the fact that I only saw four people all year. I'm a very outgoing person. Mm-hmm. I want to interact with people. I don't I don't do well when a, in a closed environment for long periods of time. I, I have to have a lot of stuff going on and insurance provided actually being a stockbroker provided that also, because you're constantly talking to people about their lives and, you know, everything about their lives. So you learn a lot and you, you get your, your relationships get intimate and that's good. Hmm. Insurance was the same way. So. Okay. So then uh, I read something about you getting interested in philosophy. When did that happen? Was that well, while we, you were selling insurance? <laughs> Gail and I got married and uh, we had two children and the children were like six and eight or something like that. And I'm sitting in the in the kitchen having my coffee in the morning, reading the newspaper, which I had made it a, that was kind of my habit to do every day. And I'm reading it. And I'm all of a sudden I'm thinking about my children. You know, I'm responsible now uh, for somebody else's life, not just mine. And I started seeing the same, noticing that it was the same problems. Every day, every week, every month, every year with different names, same problems, lying, stealing, killing, you know, the same thing. Oh, in the newspaper. You're not talking about your kids. I was like, wow, that's awfully young. They're they're young. At this point, they're just having fun. That's that's it. It's all about fun, man. Uh, You meant in the paper. You're reading in the paper. Yeah. So I'm going, well, I need to do something to make a difference down the line for my children so that they can yeah. have you know, some kind of a life that has a, that's better than, than what's I'm seeing every day in the newspaper. And um, I didn't know exactly where to go because you can, you can be very charitable and you can go to uh, do charitable work and everything, but it might be in exactly the wrong thing. You think it's chair. You're, you're doing something positive, but it might not be. So I decided, well, what would be a good society and what would good life look like? And I thought, who better than the philosophers who have devoted their whole lives to try on that question to start with? So I just started reading the philosophers again. And I'd read some of them in college, but I decided I was just going to start at the beginning with Socrates. Well, Plato was right, but Socrates stuff and then all the way through. And, and it was all very good. And there was a lot of good and bad in, in through the years of you know, the different people, you know, Mm -hmm. Rene Descartes or whoever you want to read. 
But when you got when I got to the modern day philosophers, there was one that uh, startled me a little bit. Um, so his name is C.S. Lewis. Mm. And he was an Oxford scholar, and he wrote a lot of children's books that are very good, Chronicles uh, of Narnia. And, but I read a book called Mere Christianity. <clears throat> and even though I had experiments, experimented a little bit with religions when I was in college, usually related to the girl I was dating at the time, her religion, to try to find out, you know, is this something I could live with or be happy with? Or Anyway, he wrote a book called Mere Christianity. So I'm reading this book, and um, he has a paragraph in it that when I read it, I go, something is very strange here. I'm feeling something I haven't felt before. And uh, he, in his paragraph, he says, don't, don't treat Jesus as a, as a good person or somebody with good moral knowledge. Mm-hmm. He didn't give us the choice of that. Mm-hmm. He said he was the son of God. So he was either the son of God, a lunatic, mm-hmm. he's an egg or something, you know, or he's trying to gain some advantage by, you know, deceiving us in some way. It's one of those three choices. And, and he didn't live his life like he was a lunatic or trying to gain anything personal from it. And when I read that, I go, you know, that makes sense. So then I started thinking about my grandmother and uh, the way she was living her life. And, and then I started tying the fact that she lived her life in alignment with what Jesus said to do in the New Testament. And uh, so then I decided what I need to do is read the Bible. Mm. I've never done before. And so I read the Bible. Um, I figured out that if I read five pages a day, I could finish it in a year. So I read five pages a day. And at the end of the year, I go, yes, that was very good, but I think I need to do it again. And the second year I did it, I found that I learned some of the verses I read the first time, I really didn't understand. But now that I've read the whole Bible, they were starting to tie together. So it's like this um, puzzle that's got all these pieces to it. And you start to see it all come together. And when they all, when you connect all the, all the pieces together, you start to see a picture, a real picture. And that's the picture that my grandmother was living. And the picture is the way Jesus told us to live in this life uh, and to spread his message because by living it is how we spread it. That's how I got it from my grandmother. It wasn't because she told me about Jesus or read stories to me or had me read the Bible. It was because she was living it. She was giving me unconditional love. If I did something wrong, she would tell me it was wrong, but in a nice way, in a loving way. And I would learn from it. And, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. She had a change drawer. She kept loose changing. By the way, just the background, my uh, grandmother, her husband, my grandfather, was a steel worker at the railroads for 40-some years. They came from Yugoslavia. They had nothing when they came. Um, They lived very, uh, what I would call, lower middle class or poor, higher, upper poor kind of lifestyles. Uh, she had three dresses, two that she wore during the week, and then one to church, and that's it. Boom. They had one car, but they didn't have it until probably they were in their 40s or 50s. And 
that's it. And they had their house and they paid their house off. So they, I remember them burning the mortgage. You know. They would send money back every month to Yugoslavia to the people that were living in the villages they came from to help them <clears throat> because they were suffering financially and, you know, having struggling. And even though my grandparents weren't making a lot of money, they were making enough money so that they could feed themselves, do some donations to church and still send some money back. But they didn't do vacations. They didn't do wow. travel. They didn't do all those other things. Yeah, no. But they weren't like victimized by it or martyred by Not it. Not at right? all. I mean, it's what they, they wanted were, to do. Yeah. You know, they had a, a truck drop uh, two tons of grapes in their driveway every year, and then they would crush them themselves. And they had barrels in their garage where they filled them with wine and then they aged the wine. You know? So they had four years worth of kegs that would go, you'd go through the first year, second year, third year, and the fourth year, you'd drink it. Wow. It's like the I Love Lucy. Did they smash it with their feet? No, they had a little, uh, they had a crusher, a small hand, hand, hand ground. Um, Yugoslavia, that's where they made, I. Yeah, sure, they made wine and sure, they, they uh, raised their own rabbits. They raised their own chickens. Wow. They smoked their own meats in the backyard. They grew the cheddar vegetable garden, small little lot in Los Angeles, but she did all these things in her, in her little yard. Anyway, I got to to see that it's, it's about, it's about loving unconditionally. And so the more I read the Bible, the more I saw how in the old Testament, God was trying to tell us how to live. We were, we were choosing to live in rebellion, but he kept, kept on, kept on. And he kept all during that time of the old Testament, there were prophecies up until the last, 400 years and then God stopped talking through the through the prophets but before that the prophets were all saying what was going to happen what was going to happen what was going to happen so that when Jesus finally came we would know who he was mm. unfortunately the <laughs> religious leaders were threatened by him because the message he brought was totally different than the message they brought oh <clears throat> Don, do you want me to continue with this part? Or? Well, yeah, I mean, it would depend where, I mean, obviously your grandmother being that way and then something, you know, triggered something in you that she had something here. And so the Bible was then kind of growing it or what fertilizing this thinking. Right. So right. then where'd you go with it after that? Um. So I mean, did started, you live it? Would you say you were living it with your kids? Were you living unconditional before love? That, before that, no, <laughs> no, okay. you don't until you, until you really understand what unconditional love is and, and not judging other people. Mm-hmm. You don't live it. You don't, we think we live it, but we, you know, we think we're good people. You know, we're better than the other person that on the street, right? The reality is, we're not. Uh, we're no better than anybody else. We all. We all sin. Sin, and just so you, we can get some uh, definitions down, sin is only anything in defiance of what God has created. So what I would say to you is that um, 
God created everything to work together for good. It's humans that by choosing not to live the way he has designed it to be, have created all the problems. So when I say he's designed it, (laughs) gravity works a certain way. If we choose to ignore gravity, we're going to fall and get hurt. That's Mm -hmm. what happens because we're defying, we're not listening to the way he created everything. But he, he says in Romans, all things are were created for for us to live uh, together. All things work together for good to those that love God and and uh, live live the purpose, His purpose for life. His purpose for life is simple. He wants a family that all love each other, that are mm-hmm. going to spend eternity together. So, if you look around today, it's not loving when somebody hurts another person or. In any way, whether it's verbal or physical or emotional or whatever, it's just not right. And it's not the way we're supposed to treat each other. And so he keeps it really simple, even though people think about the Ten Commandments and, and the, in, in the Torah, there are 613 laws that are called the mitzvah. These laws, all those laws were created by those Jewish leaders. They were not created by God. Hmm. The Ten Commandments was created by God, but it was only because we kept ignoring the very simple commandment, just love each other. Just that's the only thing we have to do is love each other. So how how, I just want to go back to your grandmother. How do you think she got that? Like that she was just so unique in that she got the message and that the rest of the world seems to have not, you know? I'm sure it's because of her mother. That would be my guess. So you think it was passed down through her family? Now, so here's a question. Are you, (laughs) you might not like this question. So are you, (laughs) are you judging those who don't live that way? No, it's not my job to judge anyone else. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to ask if you thought it was wrong that, that we're not all living that way. No, because I don't live perfectly. As much as I try to, every year I, in the book, I've got a little example of this. So I've been a Christian now for almost 20 years. It took me 14 years after I started reading the Bible before I committed to Jesus. I'm, I'm a, you, you know, I'm not easily convinced to do something. I have, right. to, I have to be sold, you know, so I did all of this research about, you know, uh, can can ex, uh, Genesis be correct? Could God have created the, this world in six days? And what about all of these, you know, these things in archaeology? And what about all these things these scientists are showing us in the layers? You know, oh, see, this is built hundreds of millions and built. I had to go through all of that stuff. But so what about that? Could could God have created? Like, what did you come up with? Absolutely, He did. If he you don't did. believe He did in six days, then you're not going to believe anything else in the Bible. And it's only that the Bible keeps getting, people have attacked the Bible because if you don't, if you don't want to live the way God wants you to live, in other words, if you don't want to love everybody unconditionally, which means right. even enemies, even the people that do mean things to you, you yeah. love them anyway. If you don't want to do that, then you're going to figure out some way to attack God and attack the Bible. And so they're like, it's been throughout history, they've attacked all kinds of things, the this is just one area, the six days. Um, 
which he fully describes. And it's not like this is any big thing. You can read it in just a couple of uh, mm-hmm. chapters of the first book. Um, but so you 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 went back and said yes. You proved you took fourteen years to prove it. Correct. Yes. Wow, that's like, amazing. You know, like the Hittites is an example. In the eighteen hundreds, they were criticizing the Bible because see. There's stuff in the Bible that isn't true. They're talking about people called Hittites. There were no such thing as Hittites. And then in the late 1800s, 1890s, a man found some things that were had a Hittite's name on it. So archaeologists started coming. And about 10 years later, two archaeologists found 10,000 scrolls that, just, that were telling about the history of the Hittites. Wow. And that's just one example. I mean, there are, there are hundreds of these kinds of examples where we're constantly trying to say God's wrong. And that's just us. You know, I, I kind of divide our lives into three parts. Uh, I think the the first part, we live in rebellion. So I'd say that's what I did. I was living in rebellion until that, my kitchen experience, if you want to call mm-hmm. it. That. Mm-hmm. And then I started reading the Bible. And so I'm in, I entered what I would call the second phase. So the second phase is where I am wrestling with God. Mm. You said this. Is this really true? I want to know it's true. I want to believe it's true. I want to see facts. I want, you know, so that's wrestling. And then the last part of your life, if you do accept Jesus as your Savior, you're reasoning with God. And the reasoning is not to try to figure out what's going on. To try, It's really to try to figure out what's what in my life is not in alignment with the way you designed everything to work together. Because if I could live the way it's designed to live, everything's going to be better in life. My life's going to be better. All the people around me's lives are going to be better. If I could just learn to love and not judge. Hmm. And r- right now, we're, we're living in a world that's kind of going the opposite direction right now. We want to beat everybody up. And if you, in free speech, we don't want you to have free speech anymore. You know, it's wow. sad. <laughs> Yeah. So, so when you, when you say, cause I'm Jewish, like your, like your dad was, um, when you say you took Jesus as your savior, does, did you get baptized? Like, what does that actually mean? Well, I did get baptized. Yes. Okay. Uh, what it means is you finally say to yourself, this Jesus was the son of God. He truly died on that cross he truly got out of that grave three days later, or third day. He spent a long time after that with his disciples and the people that were became followers. And then they walked, 500 of them watched him leave the ground and go into the sky, rise into the sky, ascend into the sky. If you believe that, you know that death isn't the end, that he's promised us an eternity if we'll choose to live in his family, Mm. but it has to be a choice. I'll give you the why it has to be a choice. Can you force anybody to love you? No. That's why it has to be a choice because the first person you have to love, if you're going to be part of his family is him. Mm. He already loves you unconditionally. He loves me unconditionally. He knows all of the stuff I've done, which is, you know, that in most of the time we look at it and go, well, there's no way you could love me because I've done this or I've done that. No, he loves you no matter what you've done. You hmm. just have to learn that that's 
called unconditional love and love him back. Then once you do, then you start loving everybody else. But until you love him, you can't love everybody else. You can say you love them, but it's not, it's not right. You might have some small number of people, like a couple of people that you love and they love you. You might have a couple, but you're not going to love your enemy. You're not going to love your neighbor. You're going to be more concerned about why is my neighbor putting that tree up that's going halfway into my over my fence, you know? <laughs> so I thought, and we, we have to take a break, but just one more little question. We don't have to, but we're going to. Um I thought you were going to say you have to love yourself. Does loving him include loving yourself or is that not part of it? Well, I think we can fool ourselves into thinking we love ourselves, but until we love him, we're not going to love ourselves. Hmm. I think we love ourselves. We may pretend we love ourselves. We're going to put up a a good front for other people that we love ourselves. But how can we love ourselves when we, in the back of our minds, there's this thing going on that we're really not good people. We're, We're putting up a good front, but we've done this and we've done that and we've done this. And until we accept him as our savior and his unconditional love and forgiveness for all we've done, then we can't love ourselves. Hmm. So that's when we learn to love ourselves. And that's when everything starts changing. All right, cool. Well, we're going to talk some more after the break. This is very interesting. It's got my, I keep going into my brain thinking about it. So it's something I got to come back out. So, all right. Are you inspired? Are you living a life story you're proud to tell? Are you actively pursuing and creating the life of your dreams? Well, if not, you really need Hillary's AAA program for freedom. Just visit gettingrealwithhillary.com and schedule a time with Hillary today. All right. So what I'm going to skip to the end here. What would you want your legacy to be? I mean, obviously you believe this, you know, I think it's a unbelievable message. I know you said you didn't, you didn't want to make money from your, from your book. What is it that you want to do? So one of the things that uh, one of the parables in the Bible talks about the, what do you want your at the end of your life to be like? And the words that I want to hear are well done. Well done. Okay. So I think God is misrepresentative, misrepresented in this world. I think they people see him as somebody that is controlling and has all these rules and laws and all these other things. And all of that is not true. It's it's just what's being the propaganda that's being disseminated in our society. So what I would like people to do is to read the Bible for themselves. That's really all because once I started reading the Bible for myself seriously, that's when things changed. Uh, so in the Bible, in the in the small book that I have in the Bible, there are so many different places where he says it, this. It's so simple. 
everything is all about love, period. Mm. It fulfills all of the, he says it, it fulfills the law and the prophecies. And and I can give you verse after verse after right. verse. I'll get to them, but um, it's that's, that simple. It's not, he, he, you know, when they came to Jesus and they were trying to trap him, the religious leaders at the time, they they kept trying all kinds of different things. One of the things they did was to say to him, well, then why did Moses give us the law the, the law of divorce, the letter of a divorce, which is in the, you know, their 613 laws. And Jesus' response to that was very interesting. He didn't say, uh, he didn't say God gave you the law. He said, he said, no, Moses gave you the laws because of the hardening of your hearts. Mm. But from the very beginning, it was not so. Mm. so. There was no divorce in the Garden of Eden. There was no divorce in the Ten Commandments. You, so, I, you have a question. Go ahead. No, no, I'm think, I'm just like, okay, was the apple real when she bit the apple? Is that when all the trouble began? Like the... Well, if you think about it, the, the apple is just, the, the reality is the serpent said, God didn't really say. And that's all, that's all that I'm talking about here. In our society, people are believing what the serpent is saying rather than what God is saying. God right. has kept it very simple from the very beginning. Just love everybody. It fulfills all the long commandments. But if God created us... Why did he create us to have that part of the brain that believes the serpent? Because he has to give us a choice if we're going to love him. Otherwise, we'd be robots. We'd oh. be, he just could create a bunch of robots then. You have to love him. You don't have a choice. So if he's going to give you a choice, then you, the first one that he, he created the angels also. And that angel, Lucifer, he gave a very high position to. And Lucifer was the most beautiful. He was... He was talented. He was given high pride. And what did he do with it? He just started to say, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. You know, that's that's the problem. He thought he was going to be better than God. He could replace God. And so that's why all through history, he's continuing to try to do that to us. Now, a lot of people don't believe in the devil. But if you believe in God, you really believe in God, you know that there has to be a devil. There has to be something out there giving all of this evil stuff. Hmm. Adam and Eve, before the before the serpent talked to Eve, they were living fine. Then everything was perfect. It just <laughs> seems like if God is so good and about love, why, like why create the Lucifer? Why like he didn't create Lucifer to be uh, to to be a, the devil, Satan. He created Lucifer with the same way he created us in that. In, in in that I'm saying he, he gave him a choice. You can love God and serve him. And when serving, you know, a lot of people think of serving and they go, oh, I'm not a servant, you know. But that's that's what he's talking all about. He's saying if you want to be a leader, you have to be a servant. Hmm. So, so Lucifer is, chose not to be a servant and he got a little cocky and a little bit of the ego. Exactly. Exactly. So okay, so then if you're looking at it. God is the good guy. Why do so many people 
believe the Lucifer stuff? Like, why is it so much easier to believe the doubt than it is to believe? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't life be a great place if we all just loved each other? You know, like when you talk about I've I've I don't know, I was doing some courses about the divine that our birthright is love, joy, all the good stuff. And yet we have this ego that was created when we were little that has us doubt everything, protect ourselves, be in survival, you know, all that. Like, why? Why why don't we all just grab the divine? You know, I mean, I wonder. It would be a lot easier to live in that world, but we're not because we have this other side, you know? Sales. I'm going to give you an analogy from a different Okay perspective in sales we we have people that are very successful and we have people that are not successful mm-hmm. those people that are not successful most people think that they're all afraid of failing but they're not they're afraid of succeeding because they don't think they deserve it right why because they don't because they're look they're looking at themselves instead of god God gives everything. Okay. Okay. You know, if we quit looking at ourselves and we look at God, whose unconditional love says, Hey, you fell down. Don't worry about it. Let's get back up. Like we do with our two year olds, right? Fell down. We'll get back up. And you can do it. You can do it. That's what God's doing with us all the time. Wow. And we just have to. That's awesome. Yeah. I was having. Someone's at the door. Oh well, I'm not gonna let them in. Um, I was, I was, I had a read, a reading. It was a tarot card reading, and this woman was telling me, like, stop being so focused on yourself. You know, like, stop trying to get validated um, by others. Just have it from within, and open yourself up to the world. You know, like, take care of other people, and. It seems so obvious, but, you know, you don't see what you don't see. And it is about, you know, when they talk about elevating the planet, I believe that's what you're talking about, just with different words. And it is accessing love. I mean, I believe we're all part of one big family, you know, one big world community. And if we all loved each other, there wouldn't wouldn't be wars or fighting, you know, you could have your own opinion and you wouldn't be like the asshole, you know, for believing in something else. I mean, I think that's what, I mean, that's what I believe, but um, I, I think it's the same thing, just coming at it a different way. What do you think about that? I think that uh, Lucifer is telling us all kinds of things. and <laughs> Are you saying I'm talking from Lucifer or... I'm saying you that think Lucifer, my message is wrong. Is that what you're saying? I'm just asking. I'm not trying to be confrontive. No, no, no. I, I trust me. I, I still have doubts and oh, okay. confusions and stuff. So you know, but I, I, I think Lucifer tells us all kinds of things, just like he told Eve in the garden. That anything that leads us away from Jesus and God, that's all. That's his whole goal. So anything that he can put up as a uh, a false or artificial, or, you know, 
opinion or an idea that in some way leads you away from Jesus and God and the Bible, it's not going to work. It's doubt, right? Doubt is what, when the doubt comes in, that's when, right? That's exactly what it is. It's the doubt. It works. It works. It works. And it all comes back down to ultimately what he'd like you to do is focus on yourself. He would like you to look at yourself and and pretend, put up this false front that you're perfect and everything's working great and everything. And it can't work that way until you accept God's love, unconditional love and forgiveness, because then we can forgive other people. Mm. Because he says in the in the, wow. in the Bible tells us, you know, forgive as we forgive our trespassers. That's our the prayer he taught Jesus taught us to say. And the reason he's saying that is because you can't really you don't really forgive people until you under you understand that you have been forgiven by by God. Mm. So okay, so do you find when you let's say you step into I'll call it the God thing. And you're in that love and all that. And then someone keeps knocking on the door. Um, It's like, oh, Um, so, and then you step in and you're there and then something causes the doubt again and you kind of step out and then you go back in again. I mean, does that happen to you even with all your 14 years of? um, Well, 14 years of that and then 20 years since then. So, wow. But yes. That there's a process. When I told you the three parts of life, rebellion, mm-hmm. that's where I was in rebellion. Basically, I wasn't quite an atheist, but close to being an atheist. And then you get into this period where you're an agnostic. You're, you think there's something out there, but you don't know exactly what it is. Might be a God, might be a, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's when you're wrestling with God. Are you really? Are you real? Are you real? And that's mm. what Jesus did in the Bible. He wrestled with God and God took his hip joint, you know, dislocated his hip as he wrestled with him. So the point of that is that we wrestle with God until we understand who he really is. Mm. Accept his love. We have to accept it. So it's not like I, I could give you a present. But do you accept it? Like, like if you really accepted it, why do you then? Because I'm human, it? not perfect. Right. I'm going to keep, but there's a process called sanctification. So what happens is when you accept Jesus, that's justification. He is now going to, he is now, Jesus is going to take your place for all the sins you've done in your life. All of those are gone because he's going to take your place. Not only the ones in the past, but the ones in the future, all the way until he comes back. So all of your sins, he's, he's covering them is the way I'd like you to think about it. Throw a blanket Mm. over your sins. Wow. A blanket of Jesus. His his real love, and I was going on a thought there, and I know. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, sanctification. So sanctification is a process where, from the day that you become committed to Jesus and give Him your love in return for the love He's offered you, from then until the time you die. You're constantly in a process called sanctification. And what that, to keep it simple, what that process means is more of your life is lived with Jesus, as Jesus, than not. So eventually, the goal is, of course, is to live your life 
reflecting Jesus to everyone else. So when somebody sees you, they see Jesus. Now, you're not physically Jesus, but they see Jesus's love. They see his caring. They see his forgiveness. They see all those things. And that's it's going to change. So it might be 1% when you take, when you first accept him as your savior, <clears throat> but it might go to 40% or 50%, but you're always getting better. And so I was going to give you this little example, and it's in the book. There's a street <clears throat> that goes from the freeway down this hill, and it's a one lane in each direction, except there's one street that has a light on it that intersects it, it tees into it. And that goes to a hospital. At that couple hundred yards on either side of that light, it goes from one lane to two lanes. All right. So years I'm driving this down this road and it gets up to that section. It gives me a chance to pass somebody. You know, now you guys going five miles under the speed limit, I can get by two or three cars and pull back in before, before it goes back down to one lane. I'm reading the Bible one day and I'm thinking... Is that really loving my neighbor? Why would I want to cut two lane, two spots in front of him just because we got two lanes instead of one because of some weird design flaw, in my opinion, on that intersection? So I thought, oh, no, I, that's not probably not right. I'm going to stay in my one lane and not pass those two cars. I'm trying. It's just, this is sanctification. I'm saying, would Jesus do that? No, I don't think so. So I'm going to stay in my one lane. So I stay in my one lane and then cars are passing me on the right. They're getting ahead of me now. I'm getting upset, <laughs> right? I'm not happy about that. Yeah. And they go, hey, and hey, get back there. And now it's cutting back. And I'm going, wait a minute. Why are they doing that? You know, I'm, I'm mad at them. And then I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. Is that really, is that really the right thing to do? Get mad at them for doing what I had been doing all these years? <laughs> Right. So I forgive them. And when the intersection cuts backwards, the two lanes are coming back into one. Before I was making it difficult for them to get back in. (laughs) But now I'm going, I make it easy for them. Go ahead. So what have I learned from that? Well, I've learned that all those principles that Jesus taught me and the thing brought me more peace when I go through that intersection now. Mm. I never have a problem with another car in that intersection anymore where I used to have problems all the time. First, I was the problem. Then I was having problems with other people being the problem. And now, okay, I've accepted the fact that I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to not judge them and I'm going to forgive them, period. And if I do all three of those things, I have peace all of a sudden. And that's the way life is supposed to be. But that's sanctification in different parts of our life, we go through the same kind of a thing going on. And all we've got, right, unfortunately, in our society, we have a whole bunch of people trying to judge everybody else. All right, I got a question for you. Yes. As Jews, we don't believe in Jesus. So if we just are, let's just say, we take the love your neighbor and we take all that and we love people, is that missing something? I mean, can someone be, I don't know. Well, first, I'm, I'm going to correct you. Not all Jews don't believe in Jesus. All right, some do, some do. There are a whole bunch of Jews in, in Israel now believing they're called Jews for Jesus. Yeah, Jews for Jesus. Right, and there's a whole bunch of them. It's starting to, it's a big movement. So, all right, well, let's talk about 
Fine. But if you decide to say, I'm going to uh, live the life of a good person, I don't need God in there to get in my way. Well, no, you can believe in God. I'm just saying from my Jewish upbringing, we didn't discuss Jesus. It wasn't like Jesus was bad or wrong. It just wasn't, we didn't, we didn't do, we didn't talk about him. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't like it was, you just that's, didn't. I No, I, trust me. I yeah, yeah, yeah. That so that's why I'm saying, all right, for, let's say you're, you know, you want to leave a legacy and you want, uh, look, you want everyone to love each other. Can't I do that without the Jesus part? Now you could say no. I'm just it's just my little question <clears throat> for me. Just me. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime we say that we can do it ourselves, independent yeah. of Jesus and his his forgiveness and his non-judgmental parts. But doesn't God have those same things? Or no? It's not the same. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm. I'm not sure exactly I understood what you just said, but if I try to be like God when I'm not accepting God as my savior, I will not live that. I will not go through sanctification. I'll be the same as, I'll be the same as I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. So you can't say, is it because God was up here and Jesus was a person? Like, why can't I say what you say about Jesus about God? Because God God told us, and that's what I was telling you about the Old Testament, all through yeah. the Old Testament. I mean, when so you're so you're saying God to believe really in God, then you have to believe what He said about Jesus coming and all that. He no? said he, basically, He said He's coming. God yeah. told us. I mean, the the, the the Jews believe in a Messiah. Okay. They believe in a Messiah, right? Yeah, but I don't think they think that it came. Yeah, but you believe in a Messiah. I mean, it's all through the Old Testament. Okay. And there's all these prophecies, over 300 of them, about the Messiah. And Jesus fulfilled all 335 or whatever the number is of them. Okay. Every one of them. So why wouldn't you believe in him? If God is involved with the Old Testament and talk to all these prophets. You know why? You know why? I'm just looking. Right. Because it would feel like I was, I mean, this may sound nuts, but it feels like I'm betraying like my family and my ancestors. Well, but it's not like they ever said don't. It was just in it. It was just. Um, well, I don't even know if they would think that. I don't know. I'm just looking. I'm just looking in my own self. Why? Why would I not? When. Um, and we have three minutes, just so you know. <laughs> we probably have two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but this is good. It had uh-huh. me look. And you know, you're having me thinking. So. Well, I, I, if I can keep it simple, then, and if I only have three minutes, this has to, I have to keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah, if if you believe in uh, God, the, the, so the Old Testament, and God in the Old Testament 
talked to the prophets and told them that he's going to come in person in the form of a Messiah. And he told them all the things that are going to happen. And all those things happened with Jesus. Why would you not believe that? And the reason that those people at the time didn't is because those Jewish leaders at the time, they were living lives of luxury. They, everyone else was in poverty. They were in luxury. And this person was going to turn their world upside down. And they believed in their own comfort more than they believed in their own Messiah. Mm. That's the problem. Okay. And it, but you've got a whole bunch of people now in Israel who are converting. Okay. Now, why didn't you become like a preacher? Because you're so good at, you know, so much. I mean, was that ever something on your list? And we, we, we have like 30 seconds. You know, <laughs> unfortunately, I've been trying to listen to what he's told me to do. And I've written some other books. One's called Life Mapping. One's mm-hmm. called with Jesus. And the point of those things is to just get our lives in alignment with the way he created things so that we can live a happier, easier, more peaceful life. And it works. I mean, I have lots of people that have gone through them. So that's where I thought he was calling me. But this book is really where he was calling me. It just took me a long time to get through the sanctification process enough to be able to write this book and keep it simple. It's simple. God. Now where, because we're about to, and where can they get your book, God's Only Law? So that people can read about what you're talking about. Where is the best place to find it? Amazon. They can go to my Reasoning with uh, God website. Okay. So Reasoning with God website. Bill www.reasoningwithgod.com. Or they can write to me, Bill, at reasoningwithgod.com. Okay. Awesome. Any of those places. All right. Well, thank you for spreading the message. It was a fast hour, Hillary. Yeah, thank you for answering my my personal questions. That was very good. I, I mean, I love it. I love your message. I love what you're doing. And thank you for taking it on for the world. Thank you. And I will tell you, wait, what did you want to hear? Good job. Well, well done. done. Well done, Bill. <laughs> well done. Thank you, Hillary. Thank you. Anything you want to say if we have 10 seconds? No, I think more. if more people would allow the opportunity for this kind of a discussion to occur, the better. All right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your generosity. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Getting Real with Hillary show. We hope you're entertained and inspired. Please subscribe to Hillary's newsletter. Go to gettingrealwithhillary.com for more freedom techniques and fantastic stories and links to other great stuff. And don't forget to tune in every week on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on BBS Radio TV. And let's get real. Let's get connected. Let's get inspired and create that life you love.